season's going to end on a double doink. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. There's going to be a parade on Broadway. And your hosts, Brendan Deeg and Eric Warner. Hester's going to take it all the way for a touchdown. Exciting news from our friends at Manscaped. They just launched their fourth generation performance package. This ultimate package includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The 4.0 from Manscaped, the leaders in male grooming, have done it again with your grooming game, taking your grooming game to the next level. Level join 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their new performance package 4.0 by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using code DOINK. This performance package 4.0 has arrived and oh man, is it worth the wait. Inside the package, you'll find the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance box reviews, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. The number one product in this package is a lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. And get this, the trimmer advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate balls. It even has a 4,000K LED spotlight so you can shave anywhere your heart desires. Did I mention that it's waterproof as well? Get 20% off and free shipping. Use it called doinkatmanscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. Use it called doinkatmanscaped.com. Happy New Year to you and your balls. Today's episode is also sponsored by CoolBet. CoolBet is the most insurance gaming company in the world. CoolBet also provides the best odds in Canada with world-class customer service. For first-time users, use the deposit code DOINK, D-O-I-N-K, DOINK, for a 100% welcome bonus up to $200 when signing up with CoolBet. That's code DOINK, and CoolBet will match your first deposit up to $200. Give our friends at CoolBet Canada follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I go at CoolBet Canada. CoolBet, stay cool and bet responsibly. Hello, football faithful, and welcome back to another episode of the Double Doink Podcast. My name is Brandon Deke. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. It would be greatly appreciated. You can also rate the podcast and review the podcast wherever you do listen to your podcast. It would also be greatly appreciated. So football is over. It's been just over a week. Eric and I have been a little bored, and since since we're big hockey guys from the Great White North, we thought we'd bring on studio hosts and Hockey Night in Canada on NHL and on Sportsnet. David Amber is with us. David, how are we doing? Good. My alarm went off. I guess it's <laughs> time to start this interview. There you go. It's freaking me out, though. Eric, you're, you're, you look like a young, more handsome Kyle Dubas. You get that a lot, though, right? Uh, I do get that quite a bit. I don't know about the more handsome part, but the glasses, <laughs> yeah. the glasses are as dead of a giveaway as you could get. But... I think the most handsome part is where I push back on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David. So why don't why don't we get going here? Um, so prior last night, the Leafs have looked kind of they looked like a wagon. Let's put it in the, let's just put it how it is. They've been playing the best hockey. They've been playing it a couple years, in my opinion. But they ran into I don't know what it is with much y'all. I don't know if it's a kryptonite to our team or what. But um, was last night just a one off game, or do you think this team has some serious concerns going forward? Um, it's probably somewhere in between. I mean, they didn't look very good Saturday against the St. Louis Blues either. Um, but the Leafs have been incredibly consistent. They haven't lost three in a row since October. So they've been a, a very consistent team. I think, you know, the performance against Montreal raises the, the typical questions with the Leafs. Uh, how are they too thin on the blue line? Um, you know, why can't they deal with the odd man rushes and the rushes coming in uh, to their zone? 
You know, do they have enough depth on the blue line? Those are the questions that keep reoccurring. And I'm sure that the real Kyle Dubas is sitting there trying to figure out what to do uh, about those things. But the Leafs have had a very good season. And, um, you know, last night they laid an egg. Uh, the last time they were embarrassed on the ice was the 7-1 loss to Pittsburgh back in October. And then they rattled off 10 wins in their next 12 games. So we'll see if they're able to have that same sort of bounce back uh, tonight when they play Columbus. Right. And so Peter Mrazek was brought in this offseason. He's unfortunately failed to get to 900 save percentage in eight of his 10 games. How much longer of a leash do you think the team can afford to give him? Well, Eric, that's a good question. I mean, bottom line is he has played better of late. He he started out, it was a very difficult start to his tenure as a Maple Leaf. Then he got injured and he never really got into any type of rhythm, right? And you're taking a guy who, you know, for the majority of his career, at least in the last six, seven years, uh, he is, he's had sort of the pr predominant role in net. I know he shared the ice in Carolina with James Reimer, but at times he certainly had uh, the majority of starts. So I think for him, finding his rhythm, finding his way, uh, is probably taking a little bit of time. Um, you know, last night, yeah, he 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 looked off a little bit, uh, and there's going to be those nights. I think what the Leafs would I ideally like to have happen is both Jack Campbell continue his sustained, you know, exceptional play from this year, and to have Morazic sort of step up and almost push Jack Campbell for the net, and that would be the perfect scenario for the Leafs. There's another month before the trade deadline. I don't assume they're going to be doing anything goaltending wise, but you know that's something. Uh, I'm sure they're thinking about is just making sure that Morazic could be that one B guy that they feel comfortable moving forward with. I, I don't think it's at, at all any time to be pushing the panic button. This is a proven NHL goaltender, but you're right. It's been taking a while for him to get into his rhythm as a Maple Leaf. When do we, uh, how many more games I guess we'll take and if Carter Hutton comes in, like, do you think he gets <laughs> just a few more opportunities? Cause look, like uh, we had this talk last night. I, I think Jack Campbell needs to be in the net as much as possible, mm -hmm. but the Leafs have a crazy stretch coming up, right? They, I think like what, seven games next 13, 14 days, something like that. So what if Mrazic plays bad in his next couple of starts? Are we seeing Hutton come in or is that just a complete afterthought? Yeah, I mean, Brendan, I think that would be maybe the, the definition of pushing the panic button. Uh, you know, Carter Hutton's there for a little bit extra security. Let's say there's an injury or another situation arises. Uh, I'd be surprised, though, if we actually see Carter Carter Hutton uh, jumping in, even if there is a bad start or two. Uh, here's the thing. you got to remember, Jack Campbell's never been a number one guy. And he's showing, based on how he played last year and how he's played this year, that he's certainly capable of that. But the workload, right? He had never started more than 25 games in any season until this year. So to go from, let's say, a max of 25 games and suddenly he's going to start, let's say, 55, 60 games, that's a lot. So I think they're going to try and run Morazic out there um, as much as they feel comfortable with the matchups and the situations and to give Jack Campbell the needed rest, not just physically, but mentally, right? Because it just weighs on him. These losses weigh on him so much when he does have a, an off game or lets in a bad goal. And he said as much, that's what I got to work on is my confidence and just making sure I can shake it off and forget about that. And we've seen goalies in the past, some of the best goalies you've, you'll ever come across, Ray. Well, you know, the grand fears of the world could just shake off letting in a bad goal and get on with his game and make sure that he'd be fine mentally. So that's something that Jack Campbell's working on. I think they want to make sure they give him the right amount of physical and emotional and, and mental rest between games. So the buyers and sellers in the NHL this year, it's actually pretty clearly defined, which is pretty rare. Do you think that's going to lead to a pretty active trade deadline? And do you, do you see like any superstars mm. being traded, like a Marc-Andre Fleury or a Claude Giroux? Well, first part of your question, I, I think right now we're leading up, we're a month away from the trade deadline. And you're right, there's certainly more potential buyers at this point than there are sellers. 
you know, you look at the Western Conference and out of the 16 teams, there's still probably 12 teams that are saying we still have a shot at the playoffs, maybe 13 teams. The East is a little bit more defined. The, the top eight teams look like they're well on their way, barring some sort of meltdown. Um, the second part of your question. So I think we're going to have to wait till the marketplace plays itself out. And because the games are coming so rapidly, I think in a week's time, it'll be a much more clearly defined. Because are those teams that maybe are on the bubble, you know, the Winnipeg Jets, let's say, or the Vancouver Canucks, like, how are we moving forward? What do we want to do? Do we want to move a Brock Besser? Do we want to move a JT Miller has been discussed? Um, you know, they have to sort of weigh those things and figure out what their, you know, their prospects are for a playoff run this year. And then the second part of your question, absolutely. Marc-Andre Fleury, Mark Giordano, uh, who did you mention as well? Uh, Claude Giroux. I expect them all to be on the move, right? Ben Sherrod, and there's a whole bunch of other guys uh, you could probably put into those lists as well. Phil Kessel. Uh, there's going to be the typical suspects move, the, the the UFAs, proven winners that could provide leadership on certain teams or provide some scoring punch or some defensive depth, or in the case of Marc-Andre Fleury, potentially provide a, a number one goalie on a team that has Stanley Cup aspirations. So I'll be very surprised if any of those top-tier guys don't get moved. I think the, the trickier thing with a Marc-Andre Fleury or Claude Giroux is you almost have to have their consent. Giroux can sign off on, on anything. He's not going to go somewhere unless he wants to. But I think at this stage in his career, I think he is certainly interested in seeing how you know he can make a legitimate state Stanley Cup run this year. So we'll see. Yeah, I hate to bring it back to the Leafs, but I just got a tail on the one uh, one name you just brought up, Ben Sherrod. He, uh, mm -hmm. He's a name that's been thrown around everywhere, every single day on the radio. We're all talking about him. Last night, clearly the Leafs could use another defenseman yeah. on the roster. How would a trade for him work? Because if I'm not mistaken, I, I think Cap has to go out for Cap to come in in hockey. Like, I know it's a little more difficult to kind of make those type of trades. So how would a trade for a bench shot work in Toronto? Well, yeah, for Toronto specifically, yeah. they would have to make the math work. And, and they, you know, Kyle Dubas deserves some credit. He just was able to move Nick Ritchie. Uh, and Nick Ritchie's had not just this year, but he had another year on his deal. And that's important because Jack Campbell is going to be a pending UFA and they're going to have to find money somewhere to pay Jack Campbell uh, if they so you know choose to keep him, which it looks like they're going to try and find uh, the right fit for him here. So uh, with Ben Sherratt, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, uh, the Leafs would obviously have to figure it out. It has to fit within the cap confines. Uh, what's an interesting situation is Jake Muzzin, and I'm hopeful that he'll be okay, but he left last night's game with what looked like an apparent head injury. He had an, a head injury last month against the St. Louis Blues, and he missed seven games. He missed, I think, four weeks of play. Um, you know, how long is he going to be out? And, you know, this creates a situation where if he goes on the LTIR, it does open up some cap space, at least temporarily, where you can then add a Sherrod or a Jordan or whomever, and you have a bit of wiggle room because – that players on your LTIR. We saw this with Tampa Bay, you know, on their way to the Stanley Cup where Kucherov was on the LTIR essentially for the whole year. And then, hey, I'm healthy for the playoffs and they and runs to a, a Stanley Cup championship. So we'll wait and see how it shakes down. We haven't got the reports exactly on, on how long term the Jake Muzzin injury is. Um, but I'm sure one thing about Kyle Dubas, Brendan Shanahan and all the brass with the Maple Leafs, they're very creative. They look at all the different possibilities and opportunities and then they make their best decisions from there. Right on. I want to stay north of the border and talk about the hottest team in the country, and that would be the Calgary Flames. I don't know if you're a betting man at all, but Kubet has them at 15 to 1 to win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> I, don't, I think that's a little disrespectful. I think that they're just as good as any team in the West, and I'm I'm considering putting a little something down on 15 to 1 in the Calgary Flames. What do you think of that? 
Oh, here's the question, Eric. They're 15 to one now. What were they 10 games ago before they started this epic 10 game? They were probably like 100 to one. So, yeah, I don't think that's bad money to throw down. Uh, quite frankly, I don't know if they're the best team in the NHL, but they might be the most playoff ready team right now without having to make any dramatic changes to their lineup. They have the toughness. They have the skill. They have the elite goaltender who's playing at a world-class level right now. Uh, yeah. They have a coach with a pedigree of winning Stanley Cups. It's all sort of falling into place. Um, you know, they have the depth up front that they didn't have previously. And that's always been the concern. They get to the playoffs and so much pressure on Monaghan, so much pressure on Johnny Goudreau. And the teams would basically, you know, game plan against those guys and neutralize them. And that's it. And end of the flames. Now you have Blake Coleman, you have Mangiapane, uh, you know, Kachuk's playing great. Uh, Lindholm's playing, you know, has been sensational. They add to Foley. There's a lot of depth up front. So I really like that Calgary team. Uh, now that you mentioned, I might have to go over to Cool Bets when we're done this interview and drop some money on them myself too. So fifteen to one is not bad. Okay, so as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, for someone that uh, that has a big Philadelphia following and talks to Philadelphia faithful, I'd have to ask you about the uh, one of the worst teams in the NHL, the Philadelphia Flyers. They have <laughs> definitely struggled this year. I think they're got tied for the fifth worst record, I believe, in the NHL. David, what went wrong with the Flyers this year? Well, first of all, fly Eagles fly. I uh, I went to Syracuse okay. University when Donovan McNabb was there. Oh, okay. Uh, so and Marvin Harrison, who's a Philly guy, even though he went to the Colts. So I uh, I have some some Philly roots. There we go. As well, I have a niece at Penn now too, so I'm I'm keeping up my Eagles uh, fandom a little bit, and I think some good days in front for the Eagles moving forward with that good young quarterback they have now. Um, as far as the Flyers, that's a whole different story. Um, I mean, you've got the built-in excuse of Couturier's out for the year and, you know, they sign, they trade for Ryan Ellis and he's been injured almost the entire year. Like there has been some legitimate problems there, um, but I'm, I'm surprised. I thought Philadelphia was going to make some inroads this year. I thought Carter Hart was going to be back to that guy from the playoff bubble who was sensational and it just hasn't happened. And it's left a lot of us scratching our heads. There's two or three teams this year, Brendan, that have been real enigmas, at least as far as I'm concerned. And you know, I look at the Dallas Stars, I look at the Winnipeg Jets and how they haven't gained as much traction as I thought they would this year. And the team in the East, I look at that way is the Philadelphia Flyers. I just, I thought they were gonna be a lot better. And uh, yes, they've had injuries, but there's something, the chemistry seems off. There doesn't seem to be a lot of synergy you know, they've changed coaches, was coaching the issue. Other teams, when they change coaches, get this great bump when Bruce Boudreau took over. And now we're seeing Martin St. Louis, you're getting these bumps. Mike Yo replaces uh, Vigneault, and it hasn't been hasn't been any change in how the team's played. Um, it, it's a bit surprising, and I really am wondering what kind of facelift Chuck Fletcher and the management group are going to do there in Philadelphia because something's not working. Um, you know, they miss some of these guys, Kevin Hayes and all these, some of these other guys who are injured, but something just doesn't seem right chemistry wise there and it's been somewhat baffling all year so i'm expecting a, a major overhaul and it's probably going to start with the, the moving of their captain claude Giroux before the trade deadline yeah so we do have quite a few american listeners hockey might not be their first sport of choice if you were trying if you were to recommend a team for someone who's just trying to get into hockey who's the most exciting team that they should watch and that will make them fall in love with the sport Okay, I'll give you two teams, one team out east, one team out west, depending on what time zone you live in. Uh, and hello to all the U.S. Uh, viewers here. And don't give up on hockey. It's a sport you got to you got If you can watch it live, watch it live. But even on television, it's fast. It's physical. If you're football fans like you guys are, uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, translates a lot into hockey fandom as well. Uh, I'll say out east, uh, the Florida Panthers. 
They score, they're fast, they're physical, they're furious. Uh, they can intimidate you. They have a great goaltender, Sergey Bobrovsky. They're fun to watch. They're scoring more than four goals a game. Out west, the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, we're talking superstars. Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, uh, the way Nazem Kadri is playing this year. A, a similar dynamic to Florida. Fast, um, exciting, uh, incredible playmakers and Rantanen and Landeskog. Uh, and I think that would be a pretty amazing Stanley Cup final. As much as I root for the Canadian teams because we need the cup back in Canada. It's been too long. If we had a Colorado-Florida Stanley Cup final, I will not complain. So if you're new to the sport, a bit of a neophyte to hockey, go tune into one of their games and, and see what you think because you're going to see a fast, you know, physical, fun brand of hockey. So a couple of personal questions to finish us off, David. You've been doing this for over 20 years. You've done football. You've done baseball. You've mm -hmm. done hockey. Give me your favorite maybe sporting event or maybe mm -hmm. just favorite uh, tournament or just anything that you've covered in your 20 plus years of experience um, covering sports? That's a great question, Brendan. I mean, I've been so fortunate to go to some amazing events. Um, you know, I've worked at TSN and ESPN and now Hockey Night in Canada. So I've, I've had some great opportunities. Uh, I would say probably the Olympics. I've covered four Olympics and to be there uh, in 2002 in Utah when the Canadian men and women both won uh, Olympic hockey gold was was really cool, right? It's something that hadn't happened in over 50 years that the Canadian men won gold and for the women to be playing Team USA, which is one of those great rivalries, the Canadian men and uh, the Canadian women and the American women have these awesome battles for gold at the Olympics every four years, it seems. Um, that was really cool. Uh, baseball, I was really lucky to be at the 2001 World Series, which was the Diamondbacks and the Yankees. And what made it extra cool, and I think some of my, or some of your American followers here would be in, you know, can remember and feel it was it was right after 9-11 it was right after 9-11 it was the first big sporting event in new york and the president at the time george bush um was out there throwing out the first pitch at yankee stadium and this big eagle flew down and basically flew onto his arm and the crowd went nuts and it was just and i'm not even american but i just you could feel the emotion of like damn right this is awesome we got our sport back and we're not going to be pushed around by terrorists and it was it was just a really cool communal feeling and it also ended up being an incredible world series the yankees ended up losing in seven games uh to the diamondbacks a luis gonzalez broken bat single essentially won it in the ninth inning against mariano rivera so you can kind of pen a better script but um yeah nba finals and, and stanley cup finals i think when everything's on the line it's awesome you know seeing ray bork in person lift up that first Stanley Cup championship for him uh, in Colorado was was pretty cool. So those are the moments that sort of stick with you um, forever. So it's Tuesday, February 22nd. We're still a long ways away before the Stanley Cup playoffs. But I got to ask you before you go, who's making it out of the Eastern Conference? Who's making it out of the Western Conference? And who's hoisting that big old Stanley Cup over their head oh. at the end of the year? Okay, first of all, I'm horrible at this. So <laughs> don't anyone go and make bets based on what I'm about to say. But here, here's what I'm going to say. Um, in the East, I'm not going to bet against the Tampa Bay Lightning simply because they have the best goaltender in the world in Vasilevsky. They have the best defenseman in the world in Victor Hedman. They have a fantastic coach in John Cooper, the longest tenured coach. They've won the last two years. Uh, you know, they have Kucherov, Point, Stamkos, et cetera. They have a great lineup, even though they lost their whole third line after the Stanley Cup. 
They've done it before. And I think they're motivated by trying to become the first team since the Islanders back in the early 1980s to win three in a row. So I'm going to stick with Tampa, even though they're maybe not the sexiest pick because you have Carolina and Florida and Toronto and all these other great teams. And I accept that, except I'm, I'm going to stick to Tampa out West. I'm going to stick with Calgary. I, I like how they're built. Um, you know, Colorado's a formidable team, but right now, and, and Vegas, I think will be very interesting. It will be there, a fight to the finish, but I'm going to stick with Calgary. They're built like a playoff team. And um, so it would be actually a rematch of Tampa Calgary. We saw that back in, I think, 2004. So um, I, I hate to say this because people in Calgary are going to get angry, but I, I, I'm going to pick the Flames to win the Stanley Cup, and then that'll be the kiss of death, right? They'll probably lose in the first round. But um, I, I, the Calgary Flames right now are so impressive. They're built for these moments, and I just I love their team right now. So I'm going to say the Cup comes back to Canada, Calgary Flames, and a long, hard-fought series against the two-time defending champs from Tampa. That is David Amber, host of Saturday Night Hockey on Sportsnet. David, thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Guys, thanks for having me on. Yep. Thank you. That is David Amber, and we want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. If you've ever searched for a counselor in your area, you know it could take weeks or even months just to get a phone call back. With BetterHelp, you can start communicating as little as 48 hours. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. You deserve to prioritize your mental health this year, so get 10% off um, at betterhelp.com slash podcast. And thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Mr. Eric Warnsey, how are things? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Uh, needed the long weekend this weekend. I love that. Whoever's decision it was just to add a holiday in February like that, kudos. Really appreciate it. That's off to them. And I will say that was pretty cool talking to David Amber. We see that guy every Saturday night, you know, see yeah, his no face talking to us. That was pretty cool. That but um, awesome. so football's been... You know, this is weird. I feel like it's it's been only 10 days. What now? What, wait, 10 days since the Super Bowl? Or has it been two nine. weeks? Nine, nine, 10 days since the Super Bowl? Okay, I'm, I'm even lost track. I feel like it's been over a month. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just going by too slow, man. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe I feel differently because I, I'm just kind of strapping myself in here and I'm ready for the long haul. I'm not, I, I like this Aaron Rodgers stuff is getting yeah. attention. So I just, I don't care for it. Like it feels like it's just his ego trying to get attention, like make a decision and tell me what the decision is. I don't care about like, I just don't care about giving him all this attention. He seems to crave. So he did, he posted this like long Instagram post last night. I don't know if anyone's seen it, but if you haven't go check out his Instagram, it was like an essay. It was about 10 pictures, I believe. He attached to it as well. Um, his explanation to Pat McAfee for this picture, Eric, was he just came out of a 12-day cleanse and his first thought was intense gratitude for everyone in his life. Are you buying that? I think he was I, drunk. I, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Oh, anybody in the world who says they have a read on Aaron Rodgers and understands his thought process – is a complete liar. Nobody yeah. knows what's I don't even know if he knows what he wants to do yet. Like he that's what I'm just saying like make your decision and let me know what your decision is because I don't care about all this other drama. Like him thanking all his teammates it seemed to me like that was a farewell message, but now he's saying it wasn't a farewell message. So I'm not going to stroke his ego and care about this until he's made his decision. 
And do you where do you think his do you think his decisions made up? Do you think he's just playing as long, or do you think he's got his uh his mind I, made up? I think he genuinely doesn't know what he wants to do. I, I agree. I actually don't think he knows either. Like yeah. I, I think he's all over the place. Like you'd be going on McAfee after this, you post an Instagram post last night. He's giving all these cryptic messages. I 100% agree with you. I don't think he's got his mind made up. No, I mean, from a football perspective, Green Bay should be option number one. I think that's as closest, closest to a Super Bowl, in my opinion, than any team in the AFC, just because of based off all the teams you have to go through in the AFC and the quarterbacks specifically. In the if he comes back to the Green Bay Packers, they're going to be what minus eight hundred to win that division. They're yeah. gonna it's it's going to be as sure of a thing as any other division in the league. And like the Packers won thirteen games three straight years. Like this isn't a bad team. Like the gr- grass isn't always greener on the other side. One hundred percent agreed. I. I... I, I find him like we've, we've had this conversation a lot. I find him, I'm staying. Like, I, I don't think there's enough out there. There's not a good, I don't think it's a perfect spot for him to go. Like, I, I was trying to think today, like outside of Denver, because that's the kind of the one that gets thrown around a lot. You got, um, of course, you have the Nathaniel Hackett going there, his offensive coordinator from Green Bay last year. You, you've got, no, they don't have a quarterback, they have all the offensive weapons. So, Denver seems like the most logical fit. I just feel like going that division would be would be just suicide for your career. Going to play with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. I, I just think you want to avoid the AFC West as much as possible. There's no other teams. Like, I, I don't know where else you'd want to – like, where else is a better fit than Green Bay if they re-sign Devontae Adams, which we'll talk about in a sec. Like, where else is it going to go? Carolina? Like, yeah, what? Like, I don't know. Washington? Like, Philly? Like, he's not going to Philly? Like, I don't know. Like, where, like, what other destination could there possibly be? Yeah. And I mean – from previous re- regimes, we've learned that he's not really that easy of a guy to get along with. No. He gets along with Matt LaFleur. So why would he go play for a different coach that he potentially might not get along with? LaFleur is giving him the keys to the car, clearly, and it's working. So if it ain't broken, don't fix it kind of thing. I know they haven't reached the Super Bowl, but they have the most wins in the NFL over the last three seasons. So why it's like I said, grass isn't always greener on the other side. And like, but like you mentioned, there are a lot of teams looking for a quarterback. So I do think his options are wide open, but there's no situation that screams come here. We'll win now. I, I, there's a lot of teams looking for a quarterback. But none of the teams looking for a quarterback are like set to succeed, in my opinion. And then Denver, like I feel like it's the only spot. But again, about, you're going with that quarterbacks, like that division is stacked. What about? I think the dark horse in this scenario that nobody's talked about yet, Jimmy Ursay over in Indianapolis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could he make that crazy move, the crazy overpay, like? Say all other teams are ready to go three first-round picks for Rodgers plus. Does Ursay the guy that comes in with five just because he's impatient and blows the doors off? Yeah, I, I That was a perfect transition because I was going to bring up the Carson Wentz in, in Indianapolis kind of saga next. So Chris Morrison, former guest in the show, we love him, had a report a couple weeks ago that Carson Wentz is going to be basically done in Indy. Like they're, they're not bringing him back. They're looking to move on. Uh, we've had this discussion about 
about Jim or about the Colts and just how much of a choke job it was losing to Jacksonville. And I'm sure Jim Mercy was pissed, right? Like, and I'm sure he wants to move on. So how, but like, how do you get rid of Carson Wentz and then bring in Rodgers? Sorry, I actually mute myself there. They don't have the draft picks. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I feel like Rodgers, there would be a tough go, but just transitioning to the cold side of things now and Wentz, it's done, Warnsy. One year. We lasted there for one year. After yeah, all mean, that, like this is, I I can't remember an athlete or someone that I have just been more wrong on the last two years than Carson Wentz. So are you I, finally ready to admit that was a terrible trade by the no, Colts? <laughs> I, I don't. I still think it was the right decision at the time. Like I still think they probably should have done it, but I don't think they could have thought it was going to go this bad. Yeah, and I mean, when Chris Mortensen is coming out with a report, there's clearly something there. This isn't just some guy on Twitter with 500 followers who's claiming this. Like, this is one of the best in the business. So there clearly is something there. I think just in for Wentz's contract, does, like, moving on from him have to happen past a certain date or something, I believe? So yeah, they, they've got a. They, I think he's got a bonus due in a couple of weeks. I have to double check that, but yeah. He, but if they, they trade him before of... that bonus, it's like a huge. It's like a penalty against the cap or something. I'm. I'm not I sure. His, yeah, I don't have his contract in front of me. I'll try to find it quickly. But, but it, 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 it's it's coming. it's like I don't. I think when there's smoke, there's fire, and this kind of thing. Like I, I don't feel like he's coming back. And there's also a report that he they don't like his leadership st- uh, skills and style in Indy. So. Well, there was always those rumors in Philly, right? I mean, the reports were everybody on the team liked Foles more than Wentz. That wasn't just a rumor. Mm -hmm. And if that's true, then that is devastating for his career. Because once you've been labeled in two different locker rooms as a poor leader, I don't know how you are trusted to be a starting quarterback again. Okay, so we'll we'll talk a lot more about some offseason discussions uh, next week. We just wanted to kind of say hello and come back. We only have a couple more minutes. Why don't we? Do we have any Super Bowl takes? We never really, we never kind of regrouped on the Super Bowl. Do you have anything you want to wrap up on? I will say my my biggest takeaway from the Super Bowl this year was those two teams were not the best two teams in the NFL. No, I don't think they were, and I also. I my take after the game was that the Bengals were the worst team in our lifetime to make a Super Bowl. <laughs> okay. I strongly think that. I think the Rams were one of the worst, maybe not the worst, but they were one of the worst Super Bowl winners in our lifetime. I think I just like if you put that team up against the Bucks last year, I think the Bucks will kill them personally. Yep. And the Chiefs, both 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 sides both sides. Yeah. And I mean like how Zach Taylor got to a Super Bowl blows my mind. Like if you just look in a microscope on that one play on fourth and one to end the game, they had, they needed one yard. Zach Taylor calls a five man protection. Like <laughs> what have you have you watched a single snap this season? Your offensive line cannot protect, and you do a shotgun drop back to get one yard like it's a it was and a give joke. the ball to samaji p ryan on third and one yeah, joe mixon right. was your best player in that day mixon was running hard mixon was playing well like yeah. I, that, I keep going back to that like i don't get why you're giving the ball to your backup running back on third and one running I mean, great at aaron donald I, I i i can't wrap my head around it i think that play is more over talked about than the donald on fourth Donald was going to shred and rip through that line. It, it, it was going to happen there. I think yeah. that third down call was just 
bat. Mixon was playing well. Mixon was surprisingly had the most juice on that team that game. Yeah, and I mean, I think the Rams played their C game. They turned the ball over twice. They didn't play well. They ran the ball for total, I want to say, less than 25 yards as a team. Like, they couldn't do anything on the ground. They turned it over twice. They didn't play well whatsoever, and they won. Like, And that includes also the Bengals getting a 75-yard touchdown on an obvious pass interference that wasn't called. I don't know. I guess my takeaway from this Super Bowl is in 10 years, I think, we don't talk about this game whatsoever. 100%. All right, that's all the time we got today. Eric and I will be back sometime next week, probably Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Going to dive into some more off-season topics. We're getting close. The free agency, free agency is about three weeks away. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you later.